Matthew chapter 6. Uh, there's a verse up here I put on, uh, and then of course I, I thought t- titling this would be um, playing to the audience of one. Uh, Jesus is going to be talking about, um, again, he's talking about you know, righteousness. You know, how do we know to be good, basically? You know? Daikusune is the word we see in the Greek. Daikusune speaks of inner goodness, inner value. And so through this, the sermon he's given us, and the sermon's just fantastic. Why? Well, it's obviously why, because if the Son of God is going to give a sermon, it's going to be the best sermon ever given, right? And that's what we're looking at, the best sermon ever given. We're tearing it apart like it was a sermon, looking at the, the structure, looking at the flow, looking at the illustration. So today, we're, he's still completing his thoughts. He's talking about, you know, what it is to have this daikusune, this righteousness, you know, that surpasses, he says, the other religious, you know, leaders of the time, the Pharisees and the the teachers of the law. And so he's very interested in looking at the heart. And that's what we basically learned so far is that what Jesus is trying to say is being a citizen of God's kingdom is about having the heart of God. Really, that seems to be the theme that keeps coming up. And so he deals with issues because, hey, listen, we have a life. We live a life in a real life society and culture that is aggressive. You know, he's talked about the world and the world goes against the God and his kingdom, you know, and the spiritual things. And so there is a structure, there is a struggle. And we've seen the struggle even with Christ in his own life. After he was baptized, he, he stepped forward. He, God called him to go in, into the wilderness to fast. And, and there right away we see Satan coming after him and trying to take him down. And so it's normal to expect that in the world we're going to have trials and, and challenges and Satan's going to want to take us down. But with that, you know, we need to learn not to do certain things and not to do other certain things, but how to have character, how to have heart. What kind of heart? The heart after the king, the king who is the kingdom of of heaven, which is God. And of course, he sent us his son, Christ, to teach us all about that. And that's what we're learning. And so with that, we're moving on into learning how to be Righteous. How do we live well in our society? How do we obey God faithfully? And with that, we got to be careful not to become self-righteous. Because when things are going well and we start figuring out, hey, we're doing all right with our religion. We're doing all right with our Christianity. A lot of times the temptation is to become a little legalistic <laughs> and say, well, you don't do things like I do. There's supposed to be something wrong with you. That's called self-righteous. And we don't want to be that way either. So that's why Jesus warns us in, in the following verses to not play to audience of others. It doesn't matter what others think of you. What matters is what God thinks of you. And so our religion, our religious duties, our religious activities, our time spent with God should be truly that time spent with God. And so that's why I titled this Playing to the Audience of One. And that one is God. What does God think? Think What does God think? And that's why I put also this verse to kind of lead it off. In Colossians 3, 17 and 24, it says this, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So again, who is it that matters? Who is it that you're serving? Are you serving yourself? Are you serving other people? Well, according to the disciples of Christ, we need to put on the mindset 
that is the God, the King, the Master, the King Himself, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That is He who we serve. And He rewards us. He's, in fact, He's already has rewarded us. Jesus started the sermon by saying, What? Blessed. That's how He starts. He starts the sermon by saying, You're blessed. Blessed are you, down and out. Blessed are you who are thrashed and you're at a loss. You're blessed. Why? Because Jesus is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. So he's already rewarded us. He's already blessed us. So let us look towards him for continual blessing and continual rewarding. You know? Because others may agree sometimes, but for the most part they may disagree. But are we playing to... To them, and he's going to warn us here, like of the hypocrites who, who are players or actors, and they play to an audience. So, can I have the next slide, please? So, again, in review, just real quickly, I already kind of spoke of this. Chapter 5, we learned about this daikusune, um, you know, the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven. And, it, and the very character of, of this daikusune, this righteousness, is the heart of the king himself, and his love. And we spent many weeks looking at love, really, all these things. He's talking about anger and hatred and contempt, all the ways of the world, uncontrolled desire, manipulation, retaliation, hatred, all these things are the ways of the world. But how do we deal with it? How do we counteract these temptations, these ways of the world that we grew up in and have to deal with every day? We, we respond with love. We see anger. What does he say? Go out and make restoration. Restoration is an act of love. You have to love someone to restore yourself to them, restore fellowship. You see somebody who's going to contempt, this, 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 this utter, just oh, ball of, of, of stress and anger that piles upon their shoulder. Again, go out and settle things with them quickly, the Lord says. Love. Uncontrolled desire? No. Love. Manipulation? Lies? No, that's not the way of the kingdom of God. The way of the kingdom of God is love. Straightforward, honest, genuine love. Okay, so again, but now we get to the point where now we're learning these things. Let us not fall into the trap, which is the other side of the spectrum, and become self-righteous. Well, because I do these things, because I'm so full of love and rich in love and loving activities, so therefore I'm a great, I'm great in God's kingdom because I'm so good at the things that I do. I'm such a good citizen of the kingdom of God. Be careful not to fall into self-righteousness, which is what Jesus is dealing with a lot with the religious leaders and the Pharisees, who he said our righteousness, our daikosune, should surpass them. It's a different kind, because they themselves are interested in outward actions only. But Jesus says, let's look at the heart. The heart is what really matters. He's not interested in what you're doing on the outside. He's interested in the heart. Now, of course, you're going to have fruit. And that fruit, of course, when we speak of fruit, is your behavior. It's the things that you do. And we look at that person. You know, I mean, I want to be like this person. This person's special. Why? Because they have this inner goodness that comes from God and His Spirit. It's daikosune. So again, in Matthew 6, 1, which is where we start. So if you read together with me, Matthew 6, 1, be careful then. Not to do your acts of righteousness. Because, of course, as you know, new creations in Christ, new Christians, we want to do acts of righteousness. But there's that danger of self-righteousness or legalism. And a lot of young Christians struggle, I think, with this. You know, being legalistic. You know, looking down at other people for not being like they are. But, of course, they're excited. And it's okay to be excited. Be excited for Christ. Be excited for God. But he says here, to this, be careful. That your acts of righteousness, that you don't do it before men. To, to be seen. The motive, the reason is to be seen by them. That is the intent. That's the reward. To be seen by them. Okay? Next slide, please. So, be honest now. 
What is more rewarding to you? To be an aspiring leader or to be a servant of all? I mean, intuitively. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, you don't think I'm going to pick on aspiring leaders. I'm not going to pick on leaders at all because leadership is very important. But what really is your heart's desire? According to Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples who wanted to be aspiring leaders, he told them that you need to be the servant of all. Now, there's a reason why he said this. Okay, there's a reason why he said this. Think about this. If everybody aspires to be a leader, what is it that you're leading people to do? And here's the temptation. A lot of times people want to be a leader because they want control. They want power. They want themselves to be served. But a leader, a true leader, a good leader, and we need leaders. We need good, genuine, honest leaders. A real leader is a leader who's interested in the will of God and follows the will of God. You see? So the good leaders are followers, too. The good leaders are servants, too, because they follow God. They serve God. They're interested in the way of God and his kingdom. So that's why Jesus said, you want to be an aspiring leader? Well, be the servant of all, which I think might be less attractive in a worldly sense. <laughs> you know, naturally look at that and say, I don't want to be the servant of all. I just like to be a leader. Well, why? Because a lot of us naturally just kind of want to be in control. We want to be the boss of our little world. But Jesus says, but you can't, it doesn't end with you. It does not end with you. It cannot end with you. Who's it end with? Well, again, here I put this question, rhetorical. But if everyone is serving, then who's leading? Well, can you have the next one, please? Just one. Who's leading is God. He's the Father. And Jesus is going to use the word Father a lot here. Um, you know, and he's also going to use the word reward. So that's why I put the word rewarding. What's rewarding? Because Jesus is going to talk about the word, he's going to mention the word reward about a half a dozen times, not more. And he's also going to mention father about a half a dozen times, not more. Because those are important terms. What is rewarding? What is satisfying to you? What do you want? Is it okay to be a servant of all? Or do you want something more? Do you want to be this, this great leader that everybody loves and adores, like this little red fellow there? So if, if God is truly God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's our Father and Master. And of course, Matthew 6, 24 says he is truly our Master. Okay, Then that is who we follow. So leader, be a good leader. But leaders don't pull people to themselves to fill themselves. They should pull people to themselves to inspire them to follow he who they are following as well. And who is that? That's our great God, our Father, and our Master. So he gives us three illustrations to talk about. Okay? Again, verse 1 says, you know, careful unto your, your acts of righteousness for men to be, to be seen. That's the intent. That's the desire to be seen. That's the reward. And if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. But yet he goes on to verses 2 and 4 and says, the first illustration. So when you give to the needy, and we all will give, you know, have opportunities to, to have, the word is charity, to, to be helpful, to be giving, to be compassionate, okay? And that's an important part of our, you know, righteous life, you know, living as kingdom disciples, you know, God's disciples. So when that time comes to give to the needy, do, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Again, the word is, is important, phrase, to be honored. That's the intention. Like how earlier he says, to be seen by men. Don't do it so that the reward is to be seen by them. The reward here with the hypocrites is to be honored. You know, and that's, that's all of our way of the world. People are a lot of times motivated because of what people think about them. 
you know, oh, call me doctor, such and such, and professor, and, you know, get my name written on this, reverend, such and such, and, you know, isn't that great? Now, there's nothing wrong with being a doctor, a professor, a reverend, but what is your heart motivation? These hypocrites, these actors, I wrote that down the bottom, a hypocrite basically is an, is an actor, right? And their reward, what's your reward? That's what we're looking at. What's your motivation? Their reward is to be seen by an audience of many. But the disciples of Christ, we want to be seen by what? An audience of one. And that's God. And that's what he's talking about here. The hypocrites, the actors, the players. And, and don't forget, we're talking about Jesus' minister in the Grecian Roman time, where there was plenty of theater, plenty of actors. And so he was talking culturally relevant to the people of this time. And he understood that there was a lot of actors. That was a big part of the culture. So they understood what it's like to, to put on the drama, to put on the comedy, to put on the faces, if you will. He goes, but, but if you're doing it to be seen by people playing in an audience, well, then there's your reward. You got it. People are watching you. But if you're playing to the audience of one, that's God, you will already know, you already see, you already believe that you've been blessed because why the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is there. He's with us. He's with you. And he's blessing you. He's there. He's not holding back. It's not like he's going to not bless you by, you know, but, but, but the reality is the fellowship, the, 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 the worship, the devotion of God. That, 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 if, if that is truly important, then that should be enough. And so playing to the audience of one is in itself a reward. And it is rewarding. You know what? It's, it was a word we use called integrity. And that sometimes fits with this, integrity. It's, it's, it's who you are when nobody else is watching. And for the Christian, integrity should come with the idea that we are doing our acts of righteousness before an audience of one. So there is always someone watching. And that is a good word, integrity. So again, verse 3, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, it seems impossible. Like some of the other bits of illustrations Jesus uses, they're, 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 they're meant to be a bit rhetorical, you know, a, bit, a bit kind of you know, ridiculous. Of course, your right hand doesn't really know what your left hand is doing. It's your brain that knows these things, and Jesus knows this because, after all, he is the Son of God. He knows all things. <laughs> but he, what he's trying to do, he's trying to make a, an example here. He's trying to make it obvious. How do you make your right hand not know what your left hand is doing? He's talking about a natural response or habits. He wants this to come naturally. It's like when you go to write something, naturally you grab it with your right hand. You don't think, okay, wait, my pencil. Wait, no, I'm not left-handed, I'm right-handed. No, it just happens. Some, for many people who have driven for a long time, a lot of times they just go autopilot. And they drive. I've heard of many people, you know, who've actually said that when they come home from work, they always just take the same route and it becomes like autopilot because it's natural to them. They don't think about it, they just do it. You know, and so various tasks, you know, when you're, play, if you play a musical instrument, for instance, if you go to play chords, like a G chord, you think, okay, that, that's how it goes. You just do it. Or a D chord, you just do it. But you don't think, okay, this finger goes here, that finger goes there. That's what he's talking about. Make it a part of who you are. So again, what we're talking about is heart and character. Heart and character. Make it the natural response, the behavioral, natural habits. Building response should be something such that you don't think about it, you don't plan it, you don't organize it, it just happens. It comes through you naturally. So again, so that you are giving maybe in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you 
Again, remember, we're not talking about laws. We're not trying to be legalistic here. Again, we're not trying to be self-righteous ourselves. What we're trying to do here is see what God's, what Jesus is trying to portray here. Tell us is that this is the way a disciple of Christ would, would be expected to do things with the heart. Not to be seen but just by people, but, to, but out of devotion to God. So there is times that we might give and somebody might see it. Is that bad? No, that's not bad, as long as the motive's right. You see, so we're not trying to build laws again. Jesus is not being legalistic. So if I go put some money in the gobby box, and I want to do it in secret, but I look, and uh-oh, somebody saw me. Do I have to ask for the keys to open it up and take it out again, because that wasn't, it didn't count? No! If you're out in the street and you see a poor person, you go to give them maybe a few pounds. Here, go get yourself something to drink or something to eat, you know. You know but you see somebody from church walks up and sees you, hey, I saw you again. Does that mean that it doesn't count? No. It's all about the heart. Okay, it's, that, that's the point he's trying to make. It's all about the heart. He wants it to be a natural habit, not so that, now, if it's, it might be different where you're going to the guppy box or the offering box or whatever, or that poor person. You look around, you say, well, there's a big group of people from church here. I look really good right now if I give them, in fact, I'm going to give them a fiver today. Here you go. Hey, guys, you're watching this? Here's a fiver. Now, that's a different, that's a problem. That's what Jesus is dealing with. You're doing it for a different reason. You're doing it to be seen, to be acknowledged by the group of people you're hanging out with, as opposed to doing it because it's, the right thing to do. So moving along. The second illustration he gives us here is devotion. So in verse 5 it says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. So very similar. Again, he's, he's illustrating the point. The hypocrites is the term that comes up. You know, quite a bit. Just like I have highlighted in bold the Father and then underlined rewards, the terms that come up a lot. And I find when we're studying the Bible, it's good to identify words that come up a lot. Because you think, what is he trying to nail here? What is he, what kind of, what is he trying to do here? What's the theme here? And the theme here is this the Father is the audience of one that we're playing to, the reward is what you're looking for, what's your motivation. And here also the hypocrites, who are the ones who are playing to the audience of many. So it's starting to come clear as he's repeating these things. So when we pray, our, our devotional life, our time with God, if you will, what's your motive? what motivates you to do? Are you doing it because your pastor tells you you should do it? Because if you do it, if you do it because your pastor tells you to do it, then you're going to end up stop doing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to burn out. Because it's not as interesting because there's nobody sitting there watching you do devotions in your home. Hey, are you praying Are you every day by yourself? Are you reading your Bible every day by yourself? Ah, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. But you really don't. That's you playing to an audience of not one, but somebody else. But here, again, he goes, when your devotion time, your prayer, your study time, your, your time with God, just being with him. You know, are you doing it because somebody else is telling you to or it's expected to you by the leadership of your church or are you doing it because it's very important because it's you and it's God? Again, playing to the audience of one and that one is God. Here the hypocrites, they do it only when it's an audience, the, the actors, only when it's an audience because actors need an audience, right? So they perform in the streets, they perform in the synagogues and that's the reward. The reward is to be seen. They're not interested in what God thinks of them. They're interested in what people think of them. So they go, there's my reward. And they got the reward. And he's, Jesus is cool with it. He's cool with it. Because that's what they want. And that's what they get. That's fine. But for the disciples of Christ, who have heart after God, heart of love and compassion, and want to be with God, their reward will come when they're with God. Because that's what's interests them. So again, six. But when you pray... Go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret 
will reward you. So it goes, and when you pray, and so you will pray, because that's what disciples do. We do pray to God. We do have relationship with God. And so when we go into that time of relationship with God and prayer with God, we'll do it secretly, looking for God. And again, like with the last one, the same thing applies here. But there might be times we pray corporately, okay? Like, for instance, this morning, we prayed together corporately as a group. Now, what's the motivation there? There's a motivation that I would say an eloquent prayer so that I would afterwards have a pat on the back. Oh, good job, Pastor. You prayed a great prayer there. That really anointed me and whatever, you know. Oh. No, that's not my motivation. I want to talk to God, and you're welcome to talk to God with me. But that's it. And if you want to pray corporately or pray, you know, with a group of people, maybe you're going to go out and start, you know, talking to some people about Christ and you're nervous. You want the Holy Spirit to show up and to intervene, to rock the world. So you might get a small group and you might find a nice place in the street corner, but you're not out performing, but you genuinely want to invite God to the situation. That's fine. That's in heart and that's in line with what Jesus is talking about here. It's about what's your reward? What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Are you seeking praise, acknowledgement from people? Or are you seeking an audience of God? You really want to pursue God in this situation. And so, again, we don't want to make these into legalistic little bits of law in which that we find ourselves, you know, hard to, to live with. We want to see these as Jesus is telling us. These illustrations. What's your heart motivation? Is it okay? Is it enough for you to be in a secret with God? Is it enough for you? Or do you need more? Do you need an audience? And that's what he's saying here. And again, in verse 7, he goes on to even develop this a bit more. and says, that when you do pray, don't pray like the pagans or like the Gentiles, the other people who don't know the true living God. Because they babble. They don't make sense. It's nonsense. It's repetitive, you know. It's just blah, 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 blah. It's like textbook type of stuff. Now, bear in mind, if you feel like you're blessed and you can really communicate with God by maybe writing a prayer or reading recited prayers, you know. And I think that's fine. But the point he's trying to make here is they feel like by using a lot of words. Like, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, 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 that, that, that would make it more spiritual. That's what he's trying to get at. Now, again, we're open to speaking in tongues, okay? And so if you speak in tongues, it's great, but again, that's between a person and God. Unless there's interpretation, right? And, and that's fine. But what he's talking about here is different than tongues, okay? What he's talking about here is, again, what the pagans would do. They would just, they, they would recite words, like mantras, if you will. You know, like, like a words that would invoke them into a trance, a meditative trance. That's what he's talking about here. And so he goes, don't do that. Speak to God like you speak to another person. He's your, again, your what? Your father in heaven. Speak to him like he's your father, okay? And, and so when you're speaking to God, think about what you're going to say and say it and let him know. And again, we're going to learn more, a whole lot more about prayer when we get into verse chapter 7. Because Jesus is very interested in prayer. It's a very important part of our Christian devotion. Um, but right now he's going to give us a little example. Next slide, please, of how to pray. Uh, again, like any good sermon, you've got to have some relevant application. How do I apply this to my life, Jesus? Okay, you've, you've told us not to be self-righteous. <laughs> you told us to, 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 to do things before God, not before men. You know, like our giving, our, our charity, and our devotion. But God, how do we pray? He goes, okay, well, here's an example of how a person who's, a devo- who's devoted to God, who's uh, a citizen of the kingdom of God, if you will. Here's how they would be expected to pray. Here's how they might pray. So it's an example. Again, we don't want to turn this into a, a law in a standard, like the perfect prayer. But no, he's given us an example. This is how a person who loves God might pray. Like I put here in the very middle, in italicized. This is how someone who belongs to God might speak. And we all know this prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Disciples' Prayer. 
Because the Lord doesn't need to pray this. His disciples need to be praying this. And it goes like this. This is then how you should pray. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as you have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're all quite familiar with this. His prayers. It's, it's spoken out quite a bit, um, various churches and out, you know. But, but when we look at this, what Jesus, I would believe, wanted us to think when he's saying this, again, in context, because we're looking at context of the sermon. What's he saying here? Again, he's saying, you know, when you pray, this is what it would look like. And that's why I broke it down on the bottom here, you know, by saying, you know, those who belong to God, who love him. When they speak to him, like a father in heaven, speaking to him like you would speak to any other person, they would pray with the knowledge that God is good. And that's why it says, our father in heaven, hallowed, holy, perfect, complete, good, no badness at all. So they know that God's good. And so they pray with the knowledge that God is good and everything else might, in the world might be a bit bad, might be a bit off. And so they're stressed maybe or whatever, trials, whatever. But they realize that God's good and God's the one they need to turn to. And when they pray, they know that God's way is superior to all other ways. They don't look for methods and programs and plans and schemes. They look for God. God, show us the way. That's the best plan right there. That's the best scheme. That's the best program. God, what do you want me to do? So they say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. God, make your will be done here in my life, here on this planet, here in this world. So they, tr- they know that God's way is superior and they want that here. They also know that they can trust him to provide as they follow his way, his, the path that they have laid before them. Again, you know, he provides. Give us today our daily bread. God, provide us. We need help. We're struggling right now financially. You know, we're, you know, we're hurting, you know, here. You know, uh, I'm a bit stressed out, I'm a bit anxious, whatever, you know. Provide, help us here while we're trying to live off our life following you and, you know, trusting in your perfect will and your perfect will. We need help. We're weak. God, provide. That's, that's, that's what he's saying in this example. It's like, this is how we ought to pray when we talk to God. And again, they also know that they have and will fail. And we fail. You know, and that's why he says, forgive us our debts. We fail. We mess up. We blow it. We offend people. We offend God. But we also trust that God will forgive us. And also, you know, I push you lastly, you know, people who, who pray to God, you, you know, trust in him in this way, those who know God, they also know that God gives wisdom and protection. He gives us wisdom. We ask for wisdom. James talks about this. You know, when, when we ask God for wisdom, ask it. But ask it with confidence. He'll give it to us. Not like those who doubt or tossed back and forth, like on waves of the ocean, you know. But ask God, give us direction, give us wisdom, and give us protection. And give us safety from failing or falling. So there's an example of how one who knows God might pray. Next slide, please. And here's a little tasty reminder he puts at the end on verses 14 and 15, which I have written down here on the bottom here. It says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins... Your father will not forgive your sins. Again, it's about love. It's about the heart and character. And like we learned earlier about restoration and forgiveness, as opposed to anger and frustration and contempt, this daikasune of the kingdom of heaven, 
the very character of the heart of the king. That's in review, which is love. So we seek restoration. We seek forgiveness of sins. We seek to make peace with our enemies even, let alone our family who we've fallen out with or our friends who we've fallen out with. We seek to restore that as well as with our enemies. Next slide, please. So an important thing, I think we're going to end with this because I'm out of time. I'm not going to be able to do the third illustration until next week, which is fasting. And I want to spend some good time dealing with it. And we're going to be done. So I want to end with this important reminder that, again, let's not turn what Jesus is telling here into a legalistic bunch of rules and laws like the Pharisees love to do with the Old Testament. The Old Testament the laws of the Old Testament were hard. The people of Israel could not keep it. They failed all the time. And they, in order to, to make right before God, they had to do these horrible religious, traditional, ceremonial sacrifices yearly, all the time. And so they were never good enough in that sense. But the, Jesus came with a new covenant, the covenant of his blood and the covenant of the death of his, himself, the Son of God on the cross, to take away our sins, to make us new, to make us right. And what, what he's looking for is hearts. That's what he's looking for, hearts, hearts after God and character of God. And he will make us renew if we ask him. He will give us the spirit of living God if we ask him and trust that the spirit of God is enough and is good and is right. So again, let's be careful to turn these illustrations into laws. Again, what we're looking at is this is what the person, these are the kind of things that a kingdom of God kind of person is likely to do. And that's what he's telling us here. And again, if you want to make a law, Okay? Because as people were prone to make laws and be legalistic, if you really want to make a law, then make 1 Corinthians 14, 1, the law. Follow the way of love. There you go. There's a good law for us all to, to go out there and live after. Make it a bumper sticker. Put it on your car. Put it on a t-shirt. Follow the way of love. And that right there, isn't that what Jesus said when they talk about what's the greatest commandments? What did he say? He goes, what? Love God with all your heart, your mind, soul. Why? Because that's pretty much all that the word of God's before you know, the Old Testament is all about. And number two, love your neighbors, other people in your life, your society, as you love yourself. So it's about love, the character of love. And this Sermon on the Mount is filled with love. So what is he doing? He's talking about real issues in life, dealing with it with love. He's dealing with our religion now and doing it in love. Love, compassion, devotion to God. Not what others think. Not what others try to get their attention, their approval, but God's approval, God's attention, God's mind. And doing this in love. So again, we don't want to become legalists. We don't want to be self-righteous. That's the lesson for the today. So what we want to do is we want to be open to freely to minister to others, to minister ourselves as we spend time with God. So I'm going to end with that. I hope that is, uh, speaks to your hearts and your minds today as we go and live our lives after God. And, and, you know, God has called us to task. You know, we're living in the end times and we need to follow him with our hearts and fall with our minds and souls we need to go out there and tell people the love of God and, and express that not just through words but through our actions and just but but in order to do that we need just to fall in love with God you know and just take him in you know take him in um, spend time with him allowing him to minister to to your to you know your hearts and, and mine you know because if not when I go out there and do the clubs or you go out there and help us the clubs and the Bible studies and this and that and the outreach you're going to get burnt out. And you're going to end up maybe being tempted to just do things in the flesh. And Paul warned us in Galatians, the thing that we've started in the Spirit, let's continue in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So that's, again, I think what Jesus was kind of hinting on a little bit here. It's a spiritual thing. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. And so we need to stop being ministered to by God. Filled with the Spirit. 
Because if we do things in the flesh, we might end up turning out a little bit like these, these actors and doing it for show.